This is the strangest story I have ever heard. Take a seat, grab a drink, and listen to my words. Welcome to First, a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex. And I'm not Spencer. I'm Ethan. Ethan? Who the fuck are you? Uh, I, I, I am over on another podcast that I work with Alex on called The Facades of Gods. And there I play a stumbling, quiet person that I actually am in real life. So you're going to get more of that. Maybe. No, I'm I'm a lot more vocal when it comes to TV shows. I'm so sorry that you're doing two projects with me. Mm. I'm sorry you're doing two projects with me. And you've locked yourself into way more puns available in the front end. Uh, I did not agree to this. Uh, be careful. Uh, I'm going to talk to our producer and your contract's going to be no puns. Uh, so what you're saying is I just have to make sure Kyle puts an asterisk in there that says all puns. <laughs> hey, Kyle, you hear that? You, uh... He's putting you on the line to come mess with my contracts. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm just going to fourth wall break, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But oh, I'm, I'll just, sure. I'm sure. There's just going to be a lot of fourth wall breaking when I'm signing that contract. <laughs> like, this is going to stop me. <laughs> Looking off to the side, there's no one there. You're talking to somebody, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone. Well, Ethan, it's super nice to have you on first with us. Well, thank you, Alex. When we ended season one, Spencer and I were like, oh, man. What's going to happen? This is the end. This is the end of season one. It's not. Well, I mean, it's the end of season one, but it's not the end of first. So. So is this second? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Stop this and things. Second. Words. Mm-hmm. This is this is season second. Season the second. Junior. Season junior. <laughs> no, Spencer. Spencer has decided to go on to greener pastures, doing other projects and such. We wish him well, but I'm not ready to let this baby die yet. So I contacted Ethan and I was like, hey, man. What's up? I, I hear you like first. Come hang out with us. And by mm-hmm. us, I mean me. And please, desperately. Mm-hmm. I may have even influenced one of your pre- uh, previous episodes before. Oh, yeah? Which which, which one? Um, swamp, swamp Thing? Swamp Thing? I've never it heard might of have it. Been, no, no, I didn't do too good. I, I needed someone to talk about that first episode, which I thought was, you know, great. And then you watch it, and it just goes downhill from there. I'll be real honest, I don't think Spencer or I watched any more Swamp Thing besides the first episode. That's fine. It took me until after the show was over to realize that all the episode titles are named after Bruce Springsteen songs. No way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I understood why they cut it for 10 episodes, but I'm kind of disappointed they didn't do it for 13 because there was a lot of shit that they could have, like, unpacked a little bit easier rather than just dropping it off at the front door and saying, here, take it. So all I gotta say is that we're saying goodbye to Sad Dads, we're saying goodbye to Mad Men, mm-hmm. and are gonna be our constant thing that will bring up a Swamp Thing. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I'm on board. Plant Daddies. Plant Daddies. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be awful. <laughs> I play too many dating sims, so I immediately went to Dream Daddy as, as I'm like, oh, so Dream Daddy, but plants. Mm-hmm. No. 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 
someone make it happen. <laughs> Let me seduce a Venus flytrap, please. Thanks. Uh, you're just replacing tentacles with vines, and that gets even more dangerous. Some of those are thorny, man. Mm-hmm. You can get a blister real quick. <laughs> I, I'm glad we're already at this level of comfort. Yes. With each other. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, for anyone who's curious, so while Ethan and I are on a show together, we've actually known each other for longer than that. I, I've been recently corrected. I thought I've known him since I was 10 years old. Apparently not. Although, no. are you older than me? I'm 29. Yeah, so, yeah, you probably were in middle school and I probably was 10. Maybe. I'm only 26. You dated Jacob for a while, and that's when I was, dated. like, <laughs> dated. <laughs> like, like middle school dating. Like, that's, like, the longest email chain. That's what that is. <laughs> Do they listen? Do I get to talk shit, or... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We could we could forward this to Jacob and and then they can they then they can hear it. Uh, yeah, no, I think Jacob background unlocked for Alex here. One of my first boyfriends way back in middle school. Terrified of telling my dad. Anyways, they're super cool. Not who's on the show with me though. That's Ethan. <laughs> nope, that's me. And, and you know that we didn't date, so that's fine. Nope. That's good. Nope. But what I would say, this is a weird place to put a butt, if there's anyone out there that has a Joker Harley simpatico, without the abuse, let's put a huge asterisk there. (laughs) (laughs) Subtract the abuse and it's just lovey-dovey Joker and Harley. Think, um, oh geez, think White Knight uh, Joker, but uh, Jack Napier and Harley and Quinzel. Man, Napier's such a cool last name. Yeah, Mm -hmm. anyway, so that's that's how Ethan and my friendship began to begin with Mm -hmm. a little bit of a backup uh we obviously belong to a cult or used to and by cult i mean proud member of the masonic family we were masonic youth yep hell yeah and you know being a job's daughter and dmla we did events together i guess uh Mm -hmm. you know they're like middle school dances it was fine it was fun surrounded by secret stuff that we can't talk about Cults and goat sacrifices and all that. The good stuff, the good good stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how I met Ethan, and we've known each other for a very long time. Yeah. Whether if it was ten or when I was thirteen, doesn't matter. And Honestly, I think you're probably one of the longest friends that I've known long distance wise, because I don't think you and I have ever lived even in the same town together. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Have you always been a Bozeman boy? Uh, I lived in Sydney, and then Sydney, I moved down that's to. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I moved down to Bozeman for school, and then I think by that time, you were already over in Missoula, I think. And then my family, like, only, like, five years ago moved to Billings, but then I frequent there quite often, so. <laughs> you frequent Billings. You summer there. <laughs> yeah, it's summer. <laughs> I take a weekend trip if I need to. All two hours away that it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, so it's just, it's nice to have an old friend here and to be doing this together. I think we're going to have a little bit of a different vibe than what Spencer and I had, which is, you know, neither here nor there. But I feel like for our audience to get to know you a little better, what, what is your thing? Like, what's your media consumption like? My thing is all the things. I'm a glutton. I literally do everything from TV, movies, music. Well, I don't play music anymore, but TVs, music, video games, um, comics, um, Yelp reviews. No, Yelp reviews don't exist anymore. Um, yeah, no, I, I could I could take you to the Hall of Ethan and you would see nothing but comics and wall art and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but mainly movies and TV is pretty much what I st- spend most of my time doing. 
I, I would say that I have a handful of comic friends. I think you make my top three of people who consume on the regular. Yep. I, I think even though I do, like, I'll, I'll take breaks from comics, but I still feel like an imposter when it comes to, to comic book reading. I have that imposter syndrome for comic book reading because I'm just like, I like all comics. And, and, and then I listen to people like, oh, you know, this person's run on this was really good. I'm like, there's only two writers that I maybe follow. And then the rest is just like on the characters that I like. So I don't even care about it if it's trash writing. I just read it. Because it's the character, right? Yeah, exactly. I get that. I get that. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess this is more a reference back to our saying simpatico Joker Harley. Again, this was like one of our first conversations together. I get the imposter syndrome thing, although for working in a comic shop for 10 years, I know very little about comics. Very little, besides the two, three characters that I like. So you're still better off than I am, and I was in the industry. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it where I can. I'm I'm excited to see what shows we have. We have them all planned out, naturally, because mm-hmm. I'm involved. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like season one was a little bit shotgun blasty, kind of went all over the place. I think, think you and I have a specific theme of stuff we either have watched recently or really want to show one another. Yeah, I think so. I think we're on the A train to, like, figuring out what we what we want to, like... I think we're both good for those type of things where I think we've even messaged each other before, like, I need you to react <laughs> to this so I have someone to react with. Uh, hey, Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Plant Daddy. Pl- plant Daddy. Hashtag. Mm. Let's make it happen. Oh, no. <laughs> just the two trending, like, tags. I If it's not a thing, if it's not just, like, a thing of the Swamp Thing fandom, which I feel like it probably is, but hey, we got our first first merch, sounds like. By starting a yes, plant daddy. right there. <laughs> Release the Snyder Cut of Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the Eric Andre, let me in, but it's Swamp Thing. <laughs> let me in. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a whole episode ahead of us of, yes. of our very first episode together. Yeah. And, you know, so for the first episode, I made you watch Gallivant. Yes. And what'd you make me watch? I made you watch Fleabag. So short comedies. Yeah. Easy, breezy, beautiful. Fleabag. Coverable. Fleabag. (laughs) Both have very prominent female characters in them, so. Yeah. That's also, I feel like, another theme. We'll see. We have a lot of very prominent female shows coming. Yeah, are we pro-feminist? Are we? Are, are is that are the show? Are we pro-feminist? Are we pro-feminist? <laughs> is that is is that like the the underlying subtext we're having for the show now? Is just like feminism is good, and these are all the great actors from it, actors and actresses that prove that feminism. I'm not trying to make a dick. I'm actually trying to be sincere. <laughs> oh no, you're clearly being a dick, Ethan. My God, uh, I'm always a dick. It just comes off in a weird, nice tone that no one believes me for. Well, you know, I, I think it's just cool that we both like shows that are have, have strong female characters. I say yes. strong necessarily, not like hero type. They're all types of women, where some of them are bad guys, some of them are good. I definitely believe the people we're going to talk about today, most of the female characters aren't great people, but they're strong characters. <laughs> you know what? I think I think we're going to have you start, buddy. Yeah. All right. Let's just... Uh, talk to me about Galavant. Let's just jump into it. Um, Galavant. So, premise... Effectively, a show that is a musical about knights in shining armor and evil kings. It is very sitcom Princess Bride. 
is what I would say. It's definitely, it definitely gives me off Prince of Bride attitudes. Uh, it's definitely a little bit more crude. Well, not crude. Crude's not the right word, but it it definitely gives off some more adult themed jokes every now and then. I think than compared to what Princess Bride even did. Uh, but it's like, you know, the it it opens up with a musical and it starts off with just saying, you know, there's once this handsome man uh, named Galavant. Galavant. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just know that that. It's just the one tune throughout the entire episode. It's it's just like a, a quick little ditty, ba 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 Galavant, and so we didn't need to make this a singing show, but I am. Oh, it's happening now. Oh, no, it's Musical happening first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Musicals always bring out the singing, um, uh, but yeah, just when like the second verse of it is like, there's no man that had as cojones quite as large as Galavant. Like, that says something about the show right off the bat there. And, you know, he'll impale his his enemies without hesitation and stuff like that. And then we meet, uh, you know, he's the finest man in all the land. He does everything a, a handsome man can. And he has a fair maiden named uh, Madalena. And Madalena has a cleavage so large that it could fit a parade in. Those are literally the lyrics. I am not making the joke up. Um, and I laughed so hard at that, and I was like, oh, it's not a kid's show, gotcha. <laughs> and then then we're introduced to to that they love each other, and, you know, they hang out with each other two, maybe hang three out. times a day. <laughs> <laughs> a wink. <laughs> a wink. And then she screams his name, Gallivant! <laughs> Uh, Such a good pilot. Sorry, continue. Uh, it's a great pilot. Uh, uh, I'm giving it that right now. Um, and then we get King Richard, who is played by Tim Amundsen. Yeah, Timothy Amundsen. And he is my favorite, one of my favorite actors because, as we have discussed before, he is on Supernatural as the Demon Kane. And then he's also my favorite actor, Lassie. Or Lassiter from Psych, and he's amazing in that, and he's got his big old bushy beard, and I wish I had that beard. Do you just want to um, live in it? That's like my reaction. I just, so really what I want, <laughs> I mean, I've got a good beard, but I want like the top mustache part, because he's got that curl, curl to it. He's got that curl. He's got that good old snidely whiplash type of thing going on where he can just twist it up, and it's golden. I we, can't do that. We mentioned Plant Daddy earlier. I'm just going to say that man can get it. Not Plant yeah. Daddy, but Timothy What's-His-Bucket. Can beard, daddy. beard daddy beard daddy <laughs> we're just gonna start referring to all males in this show as something daddy as, as i'm daddies. very excited <laughs> there you go it's all for you, <laughs> well, <thank> um, you. <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome oh yeah so king richard pops in and sees madalena there and he you know asks for her hand in marriage well actually he demands her hand in marriage actually he kidnaps her for his her hand in marriage and so she gets t- carried off, and Galavant must go rescue her, and then he gets to the castle on the wedding day, and then he even tells the guy, you should just drop dead right now, and he does, because he's not going to fight Galavant, and, which reminds me of that scene in, like, Hook, when he's like, wait, aren't you Peter Pan? And then he jumps out the window. <laughs> um, side tangent. But, uh, yeah, so he walks in there, and he's like, I'm actually not going to fight, because you can have the, you have the greatest riches you have the greatest fame and fortune but i have the greatest love and love conquers all and she wants great love 
And then she says, actually, I think I'm going to take the fame and fortune and be king and queen with this gentleman. And it's just such a gut wrench thing. And then so you know, good. The worst dump, the worst dump ever. Like, you know, it's it's that setup of you know it's going to be happily ever after. He's going to save the woman, and they'll be happy. And and then that's where it just gives you the twist that no, it's not a fairy ending. It's it's just gonna it's just gonna be a a downtrodden home wreck heartbreak. So she's your shitty ex that stomped on your heart and never actually gave two shits about you that you thought you swore she, mm-hmm. she was in love with you and turns out no you don't even know what like being in love is yeah they use this line in it and i love it because he talks about uh we'll, we'll jump forward he becomes a drunkard you know and he uh another princess shows up that's demanding since he's the greatest knight she needs help and is begging for his assistance in overthrowing a cruel tyranny that's uh, befallen her kingdom and he says, nope, sorry, I'm out of the hero business. I don't do damsel in distresses anymore. Always turned out bad. And he has a squire that's pretty much fetching him drinks and just trying to clean up after him. And that squire is one of my favorite actors. I can't remember his name right now. You, I think it's Luke Youngblood, I believe. But he is my main man, Magnitude, from Community. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. <laughs> so. Oh, shit. So I was happy to see him in this. It was great. And yeah, and so we get that whole thing. He's not in the business. And then we get, they kind of do a good job of explaining because the princess says she's been, you know, locked in the cellar or hiding in the cellar of the castle for like four months, trying to just wait until she could leave uh, or escape uh, carefully. And so we get flashbacks to like two months ago and we find out that the king that actually invaded her kingdom was none other than King Richmond himself. Boo. Bad guy. Boo. Bad guy. Boo. And there is where, and we get to see his married life with Madalena, which is just the perfect amount of, you know, naive husband while the queen is being a giant floozy, I I guess you could say, (laughs) because she is enjoying the hell out of this jester that is giving the orangey glad I didn't say banana joke that we've heard time and time again, and she is laughing her ass off. And that's when you know, oh, they're boning. (laughs) (laughs) And he even gives her a suggestive look by, like, the jester kisses his, like, you know, little cane thing, his little scepter stick, and I'm just like, oh, that's cringy, okay. And even the king is like, well, this is going over my head. And his bodyguard's like, I'd say so, sir. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> hey, who plays the bodyguard? Bodyguard is Vinnie Jones, my man. He's the like he's the heavy hitter in like any TV show you know him from. He's always either the bad guy or like the hardened cop criminal. And I love him. He's the greatest. So we we hear about you know, he's invaded the kingdom and Madalena wants that jewel. She wants the jewel of Valencia that is the pride and joy of this kingdom. And she just wants it because money, jewels, you know, strong female character that's just in it for the fame and fortune. And she she's playing and she's in control here. It's not King Richmond <laughs> for sure. Wrapped around her finger. King Richmond is respecting her quote-unquote vow of chastity and and while while she takes the jester to go commend him for his for his performance um you know you know what that means more jokes anal sex 
don't know. That's a joke right there, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk about more anal sex later. <laughs> oh, yay. Oh, yay. <laughs> First um, episode, season two, anal sex. Anal got sex. a subtitle. Oh, there we anal go. Anal sex oh, plant no. daddies. <laughs> oh, no. No, thank new, you. New show. <laughs> new show. Um, so he he ends up bringing the, the king and queen to him. King Richmond does, because he's demanding to get that jewel for his wife and we find out you know we flash back and we find out you know Galavant he originally wasn't a lover he was a fighter originally because he grew up from a family of uh star-crossed lovers and he didn't want to be like that so he trained himself to be the the biggest strongest baddest man that you know was there and then when and this is the line I was talking about that I loved because she was like he said and then I fell I fell hard. And then Queen uh, Princess Isabella, that's asking for the assistance, was like, how did she feel? She fell a little bit more softly. <laughs> it's a good line. And I didn't know it. And I love that line. It's just like, I fell. Or she's like, you fell. I fell hard. And what about her? She fell a little bit more softly. <laughs> she was able to recover, apparently. Um, she She landed the dismount. But yeah, and so he's not going to do it. He still refuses. And we cut back to King Richmond, and he has his own musical number in this, which is great. He's got, like, he's got his plan. He he actually found out where Princess Isabella was, and he's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And he's singing this whole thing of how he wants to shoot Galavant, <laughs> mutilate his genitals, everything like that. And they even make an erection joke by, you know, replacing what the rhyme should have been with just something else. <laughs> and I can't remember, it's like, his dedication. And then, whereas my wife complains about how I lose my temper... <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, it's just, it's Shrek all over again. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so he comes up with a plan, and he actually has her keep the jewel, and has him actually go to ensnare Galavant. So that's why Princess Isabella is actually there. And so she feeds him the lines that King Richmond knows that will bring Galavant to there. That's basically saying, you know, Madalena regrets actually marrying king richmond and actually wants gallivant and so gallivant thinks that he's still in love and that his love still loves him and it's that's the that's the whole dang plot that's what all the they said i can't rhyme right now um, but that's da da gallivant and then he find out i i gotta say this i forgot this this is my favorite bit of the whole thing is there is a chef in this entire episode, this entire pilot, and it's the greatest because the chef comes out in the middle of this uh, after the jester leaves and everything and, and the queen leaves, and he brings it up and he's like, you look different. I thought you were a little bit older and more wrinkler. And the chef says, that was my father's, your highness. And he's like, what happened to him? He's like, you killed him, sir. I killed him? Your mutton was too rare. Oh, that doesn't sound like me. And he's like, you've killed the last four generations of cooks in our family. It's not a good job. <laughs> and, and the way Timothy Amundsen just delivers the line, like he's actually heartbroken that he did this. He's just like, I am such a bully. Uh, I've been under a lot of stress. I'm sorry. And it's just, and then he, the chef comes back later. He brings uh, some tea to the, to the king because his throat is scratchy. And just the... The hesitation, and he's just on air the entire time, 
that the king's gonna hate this and i can't wait for this show to have it where it's just like i'm waiting for the the chef to get axed throughout the entire season now if he doesn't get axed i'm gonna be upset because it's that that running joke that he's gonna keep on bringing the stuff to the chef and he's gonna be waiting for him to either hate it or love it because the king was just like is there lemon in this tea yes I love it. That nice little lemon witch. That's a good touch. I thank you. And he's just like, oh, you're welcome. Thank God. <laughs> I just love that. But that's the whole premise of the pilot. It's a whole prologue. We're going to get the grand adventure of them going off to rescue Madalena again, technically. Even though we got that in the first five minutes and it didn't work the first time. Let's see if the second time sticks better, I guess. But I think it's going to be that whole premise where we get... Princess Isabella, she's leading this man to his betrayal and his doom because he's going to be outnumbered and they're pl- and they're waiting for him. This isn't, you know, unexpected that he's showing up. And then it's going to be the whole thing where she, you know, has a change of heart. She actually is the she actually loves Galavant and Galavant's still going to love Madeline and then he's going to find out all about it and he's just going to be more bitter and drunk than he was before. And so it's going to be a whole sad thing. He still doesn't have his six-pack abs that he had because he added 20 pounds, apparently, from all the drinking. So it's going to be a whole thing, and I I think they do a good job of doing a parody or a twist-off of the old, you know, Princess Heavily Ab- Happily Ever After thing that, like, Princess Bride has done, any Disney princess show has done. And, yeah, you get some strong female characters that actually, you know, like I said, they're not good people. But their motives are are fairly straightforward and clear, and they're going to do what they want. And it's great. I think Galavant is one of those shows that's highly aware of what it is. Yeah. And is I like shows that know, like, okay, yeah, we're building this premise, and you get it. You get what we're doing. You you yeah. get that we're doing this fairy tale story. But aha, uh-huh, what if we do it opposite? So yep. even something like having the one true love, mm-hmm. Madalena, have her be like, mm, no, I'm going to be queen instead. Yeah. Like, that is such an unexpected turn. And mm-hmm. they like, commit to it, too. It's not like she regrets it. It's just throughout the whole show. She's like, nope, this is who I am. This is who yeah. I've always been. Just because you didn't see it before. Everyone has so much fun on that set. I can, like, just tell because they're all enjoying it. And the musical numbers are great. I think we'll still, obviously, since it's a musical comedy, we'll get, like, a different song each season. I don't think they put too much investment into multiple songs. They had two, like musical beats they had one for the king and then they had the streaming gallivant kind of tune throughout the entire uh pilot episode and just the way they can make a an awkward song talking about how a king wants to mutilate and ruin gallivant by like hitting him with a crossbow and you know mutilating his genitals and everything like that and then starting a genocidal war after it's done (laughs) i mean okay yeah sure and everyone takes a moment there like whoa wait what but they keep on doing the song so it it definitely knows how to deliver the musical aspect of it to deliver its comedy lines as well too and even with the exposition that most shows take a half hour to explain for a show that's only what 25 minutes long Mm -hmm. it's it's short it's yeah it's a half hour right Mm -hmm. Of course, they can't do, I mean, they probably could do six numbers, but that would be yeah. a true musical opera where it'd be every mm-hmm. moment's a song. Uh, I like that they don't really ever make you feel overwhelmed. I, I think the Gallivant theme yeah. is something that continues throughout the whole, because it's, it's the Gallivant theme, right? Of course, it's going to mm-hmm. be 
easy to rhyme and that, and that speaking pattern is pretty good but every episode i think has its own special song too so like how this one had the king song yeah there's a song later on between prince isabella and magdalena and I think that's one of my favorite songs. Nice. It's, it's, it's on par with Loathing from Wicked. Ooh. I know you're not really a musical guy, but for, for people, I, like for me, it's the... I've, I've seen Frozen and Frozen 2. That I doesn't count. count. Yeah. Get, get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stealing that line from Sex Education. <laughs> it's a musical. Oh, like Frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Like Frozen. <laughs> yeah, yes. Like Frozen. Like Frozen. No. no. <laughs> so when I watched Galavant, I believe I was super duper sick. Or just for whatever reason, I was stuck on the couch for a long period of time. And I was like, okay, now's the time to do it. And I binged it all in a day because it's really easy to do. It strikes a lot of key interests in mind. It's fantasy. It's a musical. It's super witty. And that awareness, it's almost that Arrested mm-hmm. Development awareness too, where mm-hmm. the writers they had were just A plus for it. Yeah. And then at the same time, I was watching Supernatural and I saw King Richmond as Kane. And I think that's part of his strength as King Richmond, too. In the same scene you're describing with the chef of, is this lemon? Because he can go to dour, dark, mm-hmm. stern, angry guy. And then just in, in a split second, suddenly he's, oh, well, I love that. Yeah. And, and just very excitable and kind of like a lost puppy. And it's it's it was cool having that comparison at the time. And I think King Richmond throughout the series is like one of my favorite characters. He's super funny. But um, you're saying that you're... You like the chef, mm-hmm. the chef moments. One of the best chef moments, in my opinion, happens like another episode or two. King Richmond decides to have a big feast, and like last minute, yeah, shit ton of guests. And chef is talking to someone else, won't disclose to, talking to someone else, trying to explain the situation. He's like, and yeah, I guess now it's something sometime in the afternoon, and I have to cook this much food for so many people. So, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> and it is, I. It's a common phrase, like, fuck me, I guess. But yeah. it's something that I've totally adopted in the back of my brain when something just kind of slightly inconvenient yeah. <laughs> happens. Fuck me, I, like, fuck me, right? <laughs> fuck me, I guess. All right, yeah. sounds good. Let's do this. Because you're still going to do it, but yeah, damn be all. Yeah, and I, I, I love, obviously, it's on ABC, so they couldn't obviously, like, say fuck or anything directly, but I'm sure they censored that and everything. But, like, they had a good censor bar moment in this show, too, because they they were talking about, or King Richmond was like, you just don't understand what it's like living with her. She's, she's well, and then his hostages are like, she's cruel, she's evil, she's sadistic. He's like, no, no, you guys just don't really know her like I do, guys. You know, she's not like that. And then his guard is just like, she can't be a bit of a bitch. Or, or I, he might have thrown out the C word, or I don't know. You never know, Something. but it was censored. So it, leave it up to your imagination. And and King Rich was like, "Whoa, man, that's that's too far." Hey, come on, she's not like that. She's just a little difficult to work with. It's fine. And he's like, "All right, well, whatever. You're married to her, so." So did you did you like it? I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, it wasn't one of those shows that I definitely that I continued to binge immediately after the show or after I watched the pilot episode. And which is great because that that last little bit they give the la- last two minutes of song uh or of the show in song, and they obviously you find out that the gesture is actually like the singing narrator of this, and and so he she Madeline at the end is like, quit your singing and get back here and do what you do best, and he makes the he says knock knock, <laughs> and she's like not that. <laughs> gesture and they jump into bed together and i was just like oh god and it's just it's just too perfect that a jester would say knock knock to incite coitus i heard you like foreplay knock 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 can i come in 
<laughs> Tapping out of that. Oh, washing the hands of that, just cleaning that off. Well, then I want to start a new gimmick for first. Yeah. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Bring it. I want to start. You gave us a prediction. You gave us the what, like the, the idea of what the show is. So mm-hmm. that way people who've never seen Gallivant will have an idea. I want a rating. And make it like a silly rating, I guess. Something it doesn't necessarily have to be the same number every time. It just maybe something that relates to the show. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll just do a standard out of five rating, but it's going to be, I'm going to do the Jewel of Valencia because that's kind of the big thing in there. I could do beer, but I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a cheap shot, I think. Um, but yeah, I think I'd give it four out of five uh, Jewels of Valencia just because one, it's shiny like that and it's colorful. And uh, like I said, it wasn't something that I was like dire to see immediately after I watched the pilot, but it was something that I will go back and watch. Um, I'd say if I had caught this when it was actually airing on air on TV, I would probably still tune in each week at least and see it or, you know, catch it after the, the weekly release and everything like that. I think I mentioned it earlier. I don't get excited about pilot episodes very often. I think the last pilot episode I got super, super excited and really enjoyed watching was the pilot of Archer. But I've watched that so mm-hmm. many times now I hate it. Yeah, but beating a dead horse. A, a little. I, at this point, when I did my rewatch, I usually skip over it. Mm-hmm. But, I think there are better episodes of Archer to, to watch rather than the pilot, if you're going to introduce it anymore. Right. But I, I do really like Galavant. I think the whole first episode is clearly a prologue. It left me wanting more. And again, for you, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I could have waited a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. It would have been fine. But I just, I thought it was a really well done pilot. It establishes the story. It shows you early on what the twist is and mm-hmm. how it's not going to be like other shows. I think last season for first, I was making fun of the, the three minute plot debrief in a 30 minute episode. Yeah. It's like, okay, here's your plot, three minutes, let's get on to the story. And it's exhausting at times, particularly when you're doing what you and I are now doing of mm-hmm. Watching shows is like, okay, I got it. That's the plot. It's, it's kind of an exhaustive formula. And again, mm-hmm. I guess we still got the sped up plot because it's all in the course of that first song, yeah. right? Musicals are great for exposition dump offs. And I think they just were very creative in the writing choices that they made. Mm-hmm. I can't, we can compare it to Princess Bride. We can compare it to Shrek. But I would even say it's its own animal. Right? Yeah, it, definitely. Yeah, I mean the the actors they got for it um the people that are involved with it it it's aesthetically it looks great i mean it still has i think a very crisp and colorful look to it that i see from like abc shows or some of those other kind of like more sitcom shows but it was it was bright and colorful even though it's just out on the glades of like some you know british isle or something like that oh i i guess another really obvious one too is spam a lot yeah or, or Monty or, Python or uh, something like that. Python, yeah. Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Very similar kind of vibes too. Just the fantasy, medieval, yep. body humor. Yep. Wit. Yep. Well, cool. I'm glad. Uh, do you think you're going to watch more? I think so. Yeah. Like I said, I got to see if that chef ever gets axed. That's the main <laughs> objective now is just to see if that uh, if that guy gets axed. I really hope I get to see that. That's a little fucked up, man. Yeah. I'm, I have a sadistic <laughs> attitude. He says flat. I'm glad we're friends. Yeah. This is what you have me for. <laughs> See, this is the Joker side of it, right? Exactly. All right. Well, unless you have anything else wonderful 
to to disperse about gallivants no again you, you have all this background as far as you're you're like me we've watched a lot of tv mm-hmm. i can compare it to stuff and criticize but you know no yeah i mean i i like the actors and actresses i feel bad because i looked up the main actor and he he has like six credits to his name so i haven't seen anything else that he's in i was like i swear he he's got that default handsome boy charming look that i feel like does he yes he does his outfit his outfit is amazing but i'm just like i i could have sworn i had seen him in something but he has hardly been in anything and i feel bad whereas i've seen i've seen timothy amundsen and stuff i've seen vinnie jones and stuff i've even seen the uh uh madeline i can't remember her name but she plays ada on agents of shield and it's like the best season of of Agents of Shield that she's on, which is like season four, where there's Ghost Rider and there's uh, Ghost Rider androids, and then there's a what if like hybridization of like, oh, we're in Hydra world now, and it's great, it's amazing. They just decide, yeah, let's just have fucking fun with this. And she is a stone cold bitch in that show, and she gets to play a lot more of a fun stone cold bitch in this show <laughs> in Galavant. Different, right? It's like a caricature of a stone cold bitch. Yeah. It's- that upfront honesty, and I think you see that a lot with all the characters. Mm-hmm. It's just this brutal honesty of what this character type could be, as if the internal dialogue that we all think of sometimes. But this is just nope. And in Magdalena's case, it's it's again, women aren't supposed to be power hungry. They're not supposed to have those feelings of oh yeah, no, I'm gonna marry the king and then bang the jester because I can and I'm mm-hmm. hot and I'm gonna. <laughs> Use him, abuse him, lose him. I'm trying to remember because I'm again I'm comparing between Agents of Shield and uh, Galavant now, but I think in this in Galavant, I think they may have tried to make her look shorter than she actually is. Oh, interesting. I don't know necessarily why, but I feel like when I saw her in Agents of Shield, she has a very towering and like tall appearance to her. I think she's like maybe about six three or something like that. And it could also be the other way around, too, where maybe they wanted her to look taller than agents. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true, too, or something like that, because, like, she seems shorter in Galavant and everything than, like, taller in S.H.I.E.L.D. And, I mean, yeah, that could be a thing just to give her a more imposing look in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because she's, like, a big baddie. She's, like, Madam Hydra of that show, so. But, yeah. And there might be some, some speculation, too. I think all the a lot of the cast is short. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Richmond, Galavant, like they're all seeming about the same size, except mm-hmm. for Vinny and the shaft, yeah. who's even smaller than mm-hmm. everyone else. And it might be that like, Google it. Let's yeah. find out how tall we'll she is. It. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's just crazy to think of that stuff. But uh, I mean, I'll look that up in my spare time. We don't want to ruin the <laughs> talk show with st- <laughs> talk about height on a show about TV, uh, unless we're going to the cinematography of it all. But you actually got to see some more uh strong female characters in your show fleabag hell yeah yeah fleabag came out in 2016 and it's an amazon prime show it's about 26 minutes long and it's written and starred by phoebe waller bridge which i probably knowing me will use the name uh alternating interesting thing about Fleabag if you look up the IMD page no one really has real names they're all kind of like code names or just like who they are stepmom dad rat face <laughs> it's more it's more based off of that I think she wrote this originally for uh, Broadway or play performance so obviously it's kind of got like that our town feel where no one has a real name per se it's just the descriptors of them so so our our main character is Fleabag that 
no one says her name in the first episode, but that's just what we get to know her as, mostly mm-hmm. due to IMDb credits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, I just, the show, the show, Ethan, I'm so glad the you recommended, to, recommended it to me. It's been I'm on my list. I'm glad you watched it. I saw a trailer for it, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Maisel? Yeah, Mrs. Maisel. And I didn't, I, I don't think I got very far in Mrs. Maisel because it's super cringy. And I'm not saying it's not good. It's just it's really hard against my sensitive nerves sometimes. Yeah. It's a show that you can definitely get fried out on with Mrs. Maisel. But it's, it's I just love the wit. You and I both love that dry, witty humor. And both, Fast. any shows we watch pretty much always have that. And they have that in, in spades. I, I know for a fact I was watching this during a stress fit. January 2019, I had a real dark depression spell, and it was not a mm. good time. I was going through a lot of insomnia, where I was staying up till like four or five o'clock in the morning, and I I was watching it, and I get to the point where she gets welcomed in by another famous female comedian. I'm kind of being vague for people who haven't seen it, and right. she learns a lot of her secrets, and then goes on stage. There's a big talent agent, and she's tanking. So what she does is start blurting out the secrets of this other comedian and it hurt so bad and i remember thinking like i was gonna cry and i was just so stressed and so so much secondhand embarrassment that i'm like nope i'm done i quit it mid-scene i have not been back mm. it's a good show i just <laughs> definitely need to go back to it especially since there's a third season out now i haven't even finished the third season so we both can finish it up there there it is you know it's fine it's there good. it is i yeah we're not talking about miss mazel or mrs mazel nope. this time we're talking about fleabag nope Anyways, different Amazon, Amazon show, right? Amazon Prime will throw up a commercial before their their stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, that looks funny, you know, British comedy, slice of life. I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it once I get there. Who knows when? So then Ethan's like, hey, watch this, and I was like, okay, sounds oh, good. Oh darn, twist my arm. And yeah, no, this show has me within the first skit, and it's not a sketch show necessarily, but each scene is almost written like a skit. Where there's a big build up to the main joke. And there's there's pieces of these scenes all together, but they also are so well written that they have a purpose, they have a common core, and little elements that happen in each one make the end really impactful. So, as always, welcome back to First, where Alex tells stories like a grandma, and you're gonna know a lot of detail. Break it down. I That's wanna why hear you it come all. here, right? I wanna visualize it while <laughs> you're saying it. it. I've seen it. I rewatched it before we started recording this. I watched Galavan and Fleabag back to back so I could just recall what the first episode was because there's a lot. There's there is there's so a much. lot for a thirty minute mm-hmm. episode, which I would also say continues the trend of I always get the episodes or the shows that just have a lot packed in. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. I like it. But hey, hey, audience, thanks for listening. We won't prolong it. First scene, you see Fleabag. She is a very, in my opinion, attractive woman, angular features, short, dark, dark hair, curled, and she looks a little nervous, and she's looking at her front door, and you think it might be a thriller. Like, just the way the first few seconds builds, it's like, oh, is this, like, a darker comedy than I thought it was going to be? No. Just a dead quiet. And, and she's looking at the door, and then she looks at the camera. And we all know, that's my kink when it comes to TV. I love fourth wall breaking my god it's good she is all about that fourth wall break i i i never say for that it's good and, and so fleabag turns to the camera and starts what is the world's longest you know that feeling when 
dot, dot, dot. This goes over the course of almost 24 hours. She's trying to encompass a 24-hour feeling. But do you know that feeling when the guy you like texts you at 2 in the morning and invites himself over and you have to make it sound like you just got in yourself? So to make that happen, you drink a whole bottle of wine and you do your hair and makeup and you're doing this whole agent provocateur thing where you're not wearing anything underneath your jacket and you're waiting for him to show up. And then goes back to the door and he knocks and she's continues this longest feeling of, and then you open the door like you forgot what, you even forgot he was going to be there, even though you didn't. And then they have a, hey, hey, hey. They just jump right into the sex scene. And it's not Game of Thrones porny style. It's way more bridesmaids where you can tell the girls on top, you get the idea of what's happening. And it's like, oh yeah, you're, it's going along. It's happening fine. They roll over. And it's like, they're on each other's sides, whatever. And she's like, and then, continuing this world's longest feeling, then you can notice that he's inching closer to your butthole. And you think, sure, why not? And he's like, I'm so thrilled. And then suddenly the guy actor behind her, I'm so thrilled. Thrilled is good timing of, of lines here. And it kind of continues on. And then if she closes her eyes. It's suddenly it's light out and decaying. It's the next morning, continuing the world's longest feeling. And then it's the next morning and you open your eyes and he's sitting at the edge of the bed, fully clothed. Look, what a good detail. Fully clothed, staring and admiring you. And she has these moments where she's looking at him and then looking at the camera and looking at him as this dialogue continues on. And then he can, goes on to say, wow, thank you so much for that. I always wanted to do anal, but no one's ever let me do it before. And she turns to the camera, which to be fair, he does have a very large dick. Goes back to this conversation. And what was, I, I know it's like one of your favorite lines. And then he sincerely and genuinely thanks you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he earnestly and sincerely thanks you. Just the term earnest, like no one uses that, but just like in the terms of an anal <laughs> sex particular. Thank you so much. And he reaches down and gently, or and pets your hair and gently kisses you and leaves. And then you spend the rest of the day wondering. At this point, I'm like, God, well, hey, when's this, when's this bit going to end? Or like, what are you wondering? And she's in her cafe drinking coffee and just she lowers the mug. Do I have a massive asshole? <laughs> and it is just a really good, like of all the things to think of, because she hinted at the fact that he has a big dick. So if she was able to do it so easily, she must just have a really yeah. <laughs> massive asshole. Just, just creeping towards it. <laughs> and I just, it never gets addressed the rest of the episode. This is just your cold open of no. what Fleabag is like, of who she is as a person. I just like how that is a feeling. It's like, you know that feeling, right? <laughs> yeah. This very specific one moment. <laughs> yeah. Like the story that's going on is is that. And I think that probably even shows, carries throughout the, sh the show, is just Fleabag is a pretty selfish character. And she addresses it herself. It's just that she kind of, not necessarily that the world revolves around her by any means, but definitely just it, it's it's mm -hmm. her show. It's her. It's about her. And it carries. So then the next scene, it just jumps right into the next scene, which is her on a bus. And there's a cute guy kind of admiring her. And she's looking back and he lowers his magazine. He smiles. And he has the most fucked up teeth. The character's name rat face it's just because he literally has he's like rat snaggle tooth. Which he literally I, has like Sounds super rude. But I'm sorry if you have... Oh, I mean, it's not rude because if you look at that, like, I think they even address it towards, like, he, to give you a spoiler, he does come back later in the uh, season. So I think they even address that, too. So okay. 
you'll you'll see it. And so you're not rude in any sense because everyone's calling him that. <laughs> okay. So, so they have this discussion on the bus. They kind of start flirting and... Yeah, they start flirting and she looks at the camera. I hate myself right now. And then goes back to flirting with this guy because... <laughs> you can tell, like, she's not really into it, but she kind of is. Anyways, he asks her, like, oh yeah, you have a boyfriend? I just like how deadpan she goes with that. Because <laughs> yeah, she's like giggling. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> goes back to laughing. It's super good. These, like, her turning to the audience moments are real choice. Asks why she doesn't have a boyfriend. Well, we broke up recently. And this is the point where I'm like, oh no, I might be flea back <laughs> for uh, several different reasons. And it shows her in bed <laughs> watching a speech Obama's giving and just casually reaches under the covers and starts masturbating. Like, <laughs> she has some food in her hand and drops out and just very focused on masturbating to this political speech Obama's giving. And then over like this mound of blankets, you see this guy's head pop up. Oh God. <laughs> And he's like, what are you doing? Nothing. She slams the laptop shut. And the key's like, oh, I know what you're doing. That's it. We're done. We're over. No, no, I was watching the news. Oh, yeah? What was he talking about? Iraq? He was talking about diplomacy. And starts, like, (laughs) throwing shit in the bag and don't follow me. Okay. Don't call me. Okay. Sounds good. Seriously, don't do that. Yeah, okay. I, yep. mm Mm-hmm. I won't. (laughs) And it's like this really weird casual breakup. Yeah. Then he's just like, and don't even, don't think that it's going to work when you show up at my, my place at 2 a.m. in the morning wearing nothing but underwear. (laughs) And then she just casually looks at the audience and is like, well. well." (laughs) It's it's a woman who clearly knows how to, I think how to play people. It's just, manipulate might be the thing. It's very cold, calculated, casualness of it all. I don't know. It's it's very good. She just knows how to read it. Yeah. She, she knows how to read people. Yeah. And then she like knows how to interact with people, but also knows what she's going to do. So she ends up giving some like really cheeky answer to the guy. Does not explain that whole mess. Uh, they get off the bus. They exchange phone numbers. Again, more quips. I could go over every quip in this. We do not have enough time. We would take the whole time it would take you to watch the fucking episode, right? Yeah. Just Might go as watch well it. just watch the episode. <laughs> she runs to a bank. Because she needs a small business loan, we find out. When she gets to the bank, because she was running, she looks like a disaster. She's hot. Her hair's all messed up. She's panting. She's trying to have a professional conversation. Turns out this bank is famous for a recent sexual harassment case. And she's having a hard time conversing at this time. Because, again, hot, etc. And the guy offers her some water. She's like, yeah, sure, sounds good. And she does this thing, which I'm sure almost every woman has done at least once in their life. She goes to take off her shirt thinking there's another layer underneath and there isn't so she just flashes him this lacy black bra and her boobs and immediately puts it down realizing her mistake and the guy is just mean mugging her and you know we're not that kind of place that won't get you very far anymore and she's like no 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 i'm so sorry i thought uh i i I thought i had another shirt and i kind of go back and forth turns out the guy oh she she gives the line too of like oh and please look at you i would never fuck you (laughs) <laughs> like that's the look breaking point <laughs> look, look at yourself you can leave our business is done she gets up she calls him a perv he calls her a slut the same thing happens of whoa hey whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa too far uncalled for next scene we go to she is visiting her sister at a feminist lecture and and 
you know, they have this banter back and forth. You learn a little bit more about their family dynamic. The, the, her intro of the sister is her looking at the camera again and saying, you know, here's my sister. She's always early. She's uptight. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's anorexic, but clothes look great on her. So it's whatever. <laughs> Just casually throwing off that. Yeah. And, you know, they, they have this really just tense relationship and you find out that they are, their, their mom must have died when they were young or something happened to mom that she's no longer in the picture and hasn't been in the picture for a very long time that their dad ended up marrying their godmom and no longer talks to them. And his way of showing love is to send them tickets to these feminist lectures. Like that's really the only time it seems as if she sees her sister. Right. She goes to take off her jacket and then realizes, Oh, I've been, <laughs> this is actually the, the shirt my sister lost two years ago. So I won't be taking off my jacket. And they have just these like back and forth moments. She's sitting uncomfortable in the chair talking about how, you know, her, her jeans were uncomfortable. That some pants are just meant to give you a rash downstairs Again, very, I say female conversation. I can think of this happening with friends before. This happens with, with dudes, too. We're just like, oh, this is this okay. is a bunch of not way too bad up down there. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I mean, I don't have... <laughs> clothes, clothes definitely don't fit every single person, any gender <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. It's like, oh, that's not comfortable. Um, that's, that's not great. And then you have this flashback cutaway that's kind of family guy style in my opinion it happens a few times of just they mention something and then they do a cutaway to that moment or whatever they're referencing and they jump back in not really talking about that cut back right and it's her shopping with her friend his name is boo and they kind of again girls girl shit girl shit talking shop turns out that you know insult outfits whatever boo decides to buy her a pair of sexy pants and those are the pants that she's wearing right now Feminist lecture starts, but not before she is strongly considering asking her sister for money now that the bank loan has been denied, yeah, eliminated, right? And so she's like, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask her. I'm going to do it. Here we go. Do you want to borrow money? No! <laughs> like, immediately cuts off. And I think we've all been there before of, or maybe not all of us. Some of us are, are work hard or privileged, but... There's very definitely people that are too proud to, to ask, you know. It's a, it's a weird thing to ask for money. Because it's what we all work for. Yeah. And then you also have this really tense relationship and you don't want your sister to lord it over you any more than she might. Anyways, so that's like an ongoing thing. She's thinking of people to ask for money now. Feminist lecture starts, which again, is like one of the best moments of this. This older woman comes out and says, how many of you would trade five years of your life to have the perfect body? And both the sisters raise their hand immediately. And they're the only ones in the auditorium that do. And this body filled auditorium and they both just kind of sink down in their seats and look at each other like wow we're really shitty feminists <laughs> and the the sister is like yeah and i want my shirt back next scene we have is her giving the shirt back again you're seeing that the just different tenseness of this relationship she, the sister tries to hug fleabag she gets fucking smacked for it for trying scares the shit out of fleabag and her sister like has this moment of like, man, you just, you're not looking good. Are you sure you're doing okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Do you want to go for drinks? No, I got plans. Fleabag doesn't have fucking plans. So she like asks a random person that's walking by, do you want to go get a drink? As soon as her sister's gone. <laughs> and like realizing just she, she is a lonely person. As this episode goes on, you just realize how lonely this kind of cavalier, I, I won't say badass, just it seems like nothing really gets her down very long. But as this episode continues, I was like, oh, wow, no, this is just kind of a sad person. Mm -hmm. 
decides to go get drinks with Ratface, who is incredibly boring. So boring, in fact, she steals money from him. She uh, tries to, like, get him to sleep with her, maybe. And I, for me, too, I can't tell if she genuinely wants that to happen or if it's just a way to freak him out. Either way, he's refusing, which is totally within his right. No big deal. But she calls him out on it. It's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Whatever. I'm out. And he says, wait. And she's like, no, don't follow me. Don't come home with me. Don't call me. I don't want, any- want anything to do with you. And he's like, no, that's fine. You drop this. And it's the money she stole. So, <laughs> I- Boring, dumb, maybe nice guy, maybe... It, the way he came back when she was stealing it, like, maybe he saw, maybe he didn't. Uh, anyways, he gives her the money. She wanders off, goes outside. There's a super trash gal there. It's like, her boobs out of her shirt. And it's, like, this weird attention to detail of, like, how she scoops the boob back into the shirt. It's not, like, taking advantage. It just was an interesting way of going about just it, like- I guess. Hey, girlfriend, here, let me help oh. you up. And just, yeah. just Put tucking it in. in. Just, just like tucking it into bed. <laughs> pat, pat, there you are. Pat, pat. <laughs> and and this girl kind of, again, super drunk, leans against her, but then looks up and says, are you okay? Like, Fleabag is so apparently showing that she's so unokay that this random drunk stranger is concerned for her well-being but then also thinks she's a dude so you know take some lose some sad man another <laughs> sad man and, and they flew back gets her into a cab kind of half ass ass if she wants to come back to her place and the girl's like fuck no and goes go, leaves we have another cut back to this moment of her and boo at the cafe at this point, you realize, too, that like they must have been in cahoots at the cafe. It's like, it was closed down. At least that's the vibe I got off of it. It was like, oh, yeah, they run mm-hmm. this business together. And they're singing this cute, like, best yep. friend song that clearly it's something that they've made up and is really important to them. And they're drunk. There's, like, a bottle of wine between them. And Boo reaches over and grabs her face and is just, like, saying, we, we never ask for anything from anybody. We don't need that. We're above that. Never, ever do it. And then cuts back to Fleabag and her kind of rolling her eyes and being like, fuck it. Next thing we see is her peeping through like an envelope thing in a door like mm-hmm. where you shove mail. Mm-hmm. And her being like, no, no, this is fine. Don't worry about it. This is, this Who is fine. Who at this point did you think it was when, when she goes up to the door? I thought it was going to be either uh, the sister or Boo. Okay. Because again, at, at this point we had seen so many female figures. Mm-hmm. That I was like, oh, yeah, it's probably either going back to the sister because that was the main person she was thinking of asking money from or Boo because the other thing was the way that the the boob grab, the uh, asking if the girl wanted to come home with her and then this kind of drunk scene with Boo holding her face. I was like, oh, do we have a queer character? And I was thinking that maybe she was going to see Boo for late night 2 a.m. rendezvous. Right. Um, But no, it turns out it's her dad. And this very nice house, and he opens the door, and super confused and a little fussy at her, and she's like, no, I I wanted something, but no, never mind, this is weird, no, never mind, it's fine, and like, she kind of walks away, and comes back, walks away, comes back, and finally has this moment of saying, like, you know, I'm starting to think that I'm this horrible, greedy, perverted, morbid adjectives, description, 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 and I just, I'm really worried I'm like this. Her dad takes a beat, and (laughs) says... Well, you get all of that from your mother. And it's, it's a good line. Uh, I, yeah. fuck, my parents have said it before where I've like been saying, like, I have these traits. And my mom's like, well, you get that from your father. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. tongue in cheek, of course, at that point. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, I'm perfect. It's all the other parents. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I only gave you the good stuff. Uh, but at the same time, this is someone who is estranged from her father, from what we can tell, and was just looking for some comfort, some some good feelings, and this is all he really has to offer her. And he's like, all right, well, you're drunk. I'm going to call you a cab. Don't go upstairs. So, of course, she goes upstairs. Of course she does. Course. And upstairs, you see evil stepmom. And it's it's funny, this whole description or this whole intro, she's been talking about how this is her evil stepmom, but the introduction doesn't really reflect that immediately. She seems very kind and patient and understanding as this woman's like, what's this? What's that? What's this? What are you doing over here? Oh, that's my self-portrait. And <laughs> Fleabag has this weird face because the self-portrait, quote unquote, is just shades of gray. And like this really cool textured pattern. If I saw it at a museum, I'd stare at it for a while. It's a very well done painting for whoever mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And oh, by the way, this this person, I was looking at her and I was like, I know her from somewhere. Where do I know her from? Where do I know her from? She's a magnificent actress. But the only thing I could think of off the top of my head was police officer Doris Thatcher from Hot Fuzz. Yep. She's done a lot of stuff. Uh, Olivia. She was also in. Uh, she was also in Shaun of the Dead as well too. Olivia Coleman. Yep, Olivia Coleman. Mm-hmm. And she was in The Favorite. She's in The Crown. She plays a lot of queens lately because she's yeah. very regal and a very good mm-hmm. actress. Yeah. But all I can I... think is her hot fuzz laugh, the <laughs> 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 like mumbling to herself. Yeah. So so it's this wonderful actress and. The story progresses, and Fleabag sees a statue. It's a small statue, right? Maybe the size of your hand. And yep. <laughs> let's just say it's a female torso. <laughs> yeah, that's scientific. Anyways, it's gold, and it's like a, a very nice female figure, we'll say. And she's like messing with it, asking about it. And it's supposed to be a sign of fertility, or not fertility, but femininity, and like where women find their strength. And then the stepmom is like, oh, but it's very expensive. Can you please not? She's like, well, how expensive is it? Thousands of dollars. Can I have it? Like, no space in between. Just immediately goes for it, as a normal person would. And, of course, the stepmom's like, no, put it back. So, dad shouts up, cab's here. And this is when we get the evil mom thing happening of, and I say evil mom, I think it's a very typical mom thing to, to, to say. And as they're getting ready to leave, they hug, they kiss on the cheek. And she pulls away and looks at Fleabag and says... Are you doing okay? You look absolutely ghastly. Which is the third time this episode we've heard someone comment on her appearance. But this also kind of held that mom criticism that is super, super irritating at times. And she's like, yep, I'm fine. Goes downstairs, gets in the cab. Last scene is this cab scene. And it's as if they're mid-conversation. She's shared with this taxi driver that she owns a cafe business. And which is not doing well. A previous previous scene that I skipped over was like one person was in her cafe and I was like, can I get you anything? Nope. And he's pulling out like every electronic device possible, just using up all her outlets. Just to plug Being in. an asshole. Don't do I that. that. If you go to any place, even a Starbucks, buy a coffee. Do something. More than a water. Get a biscuit or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I say this as a like not someone recognizing privilege, right? We can all always have access to electricity or internet. The person that they portrayed in this was like, he had a laptop. He had a cell phone. He had a Kindle. He had every piece yeah, of electronics. Like a memory bank. Have. He had a phone. Yeah. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Uh, and so taxi driver asks, so do you do, you do it with other people or do you run it with other people? And she's like, well, kind of yes, both. It's a funny story. And he's like, well, it'll get me through the night. Tell me this funny story. She's like, well, I used to run it with my friend, with, with my best friend, but uh, she's dead now. And Ethan, if you were here... 
this is the part where I would grab your face and lean in real close and say, I fucking love this show. It was mm-hmm. good up to this point, but this is the the point where like I got hit in the gut of, oh, fuck, I love this mm-hmm. show. Love it. This is the gut punch where it's just like realizing all this. And and all those like flashbacks, it wasn't just a, a flashback to her friend of like, oh, yeah, here's this haha fun moment. Like she's grieving her friend and little things remind her so like the pants thinking of like, going and shopping the pants with her friend and then her sister saying your pants are cheap it's like her connecting like well you're saying my friend's cheap even though that has no real mm-hmm. uh context for it but yeah. like, you mm-hmm. you know that that's the jump that's happening in her brain you get the you get the lady that she wants to come hang out at the house because she needs a friend by because mm-hmm. she doesn't have any plans yeah because yeah her plans would probably be hanging out with his best friend and I would say that within the show, you don't really have a context of how recent this happened, but it's like just recent enough that obviously you'd still be grieving, but also seems like her family expects her to be over it. Mm-hmm. And it's been long enough that her business is starting to tank because there's not two people who are investing in it. And it's it's yep. it's hard. I can, couldn't imagine how hard that is. And not to mention the boyfriend's hat is fed up with it too and mm-hmm. everything as well too. It's just like everyone is, is tired of her, her shit, but is it really her shit? Has she mm-hmm. always been like this? Or is this a recent character development as she's grieving the loss of her best friend uh and of course the <laughs> i i like this description of the character death because it's you immediately know what kind of person boo was boo was the kind of person mm-hmm. she she died she didn't plan on dying she just wanted to get hurt because she found out that her boyfriend was cheating and to punish him for it she wanted to get hurt and go to the hospital and forbid him from seeing her fucking psychotic don't be that person either. No. So what she did was she hopped and she just walked into a bike lane, but bikes go super fast, hit her, hit her into traffic. Three people ended up dying. And she, she like tells a story and she's like, yeah, Boo was always kind of a dick. <laughs> and I, the, the taxi driver is just silent at this point. Yeah. How do you respond to that? Like, <laughs> right? you thought you were getting that's a funny she's... story. Like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. She's a dick. <laughs> God, okay. And this last little moment is completely silent. And you see her start unbuttoning her jacket. And you're like thinking, you know she's shirtless. Mm -hmm. It's like, what what are you doing? Unbuttons the jacket. Looks like she's going to fish her hand into her pants. But actually, there's the statue that she stole from her stepmom. And it's her looking down at it. And this is probably a 30 second to a minute long scene of her looking down at, at this statue. And then looking up. And smirks. And mm-hmm. that's the end of the first yep. episode. And you get that beat, and it's just Fleabag right across the screen. Yeah. And it's just so good! So you have... When I was saying, like, again, I, I purposely described all those little moments on purpose, because oh, yeah. they all tie into She's an amazing that reveal writer. Like, I, I, like, just everything mm-hmm. intricately done like that. It's great that they can do this for TV and everything like that. It was brilliant. I was so impressed, and I, I was hooked within the first few minutes, just based mm-hmm. off that cold open. I do love me a good cold open. Thank you, Always Sunny, for really showing mm-hmm. me the way of that. But it was just a really, really good show, and I was very mad I couldn't keep watching, because that's our gimmick. In case you haven't tuned into First before, you watch the first episode, you can't watch anymore, so that way you have can only give a prediction of what's to come. Yep. And, and so I'm very excited very very excited to keep watching this so even though this is a slice of life what do you think i mean granted i kind of already just told you at least kind of one thing about a character that returns but what do you think will happen for the the rest of at least the first season boy i um because it doesn't really give you a plot to go off of no it doesn't and i'd say 
my, my version of deciding the future of the show, I feel like I cheat a lot just because I've watched a lot of TV, mm-hmm. right? So, like, the prototypical response would be, I'm, I'm sure that it's covering her dealing with the grief of her friend. Mm-hmm. I imagine we get a few more flashbacks of that. I imagine we probably learned that the friend wasn't super awesome, um, but it was the probably the one person who related to her when her family was really letting her down. And, you know, you, you find those people in your life and family doesn't support you. You find people to support you. Um, I think that, okay, well, so here's the issue is that I did see this trailer or part of the trailer for season two. Mm-hmm. So like, I know there's something bad that happens between her and the sister. Yeah. Previous to that, I would have said that I think her sister and her would have gotten closer. Um, okay. Yeah. General family drama. Yeah. We have another episode coming up that's I have a themed as family dysfunction. I don't think it's going to be all out crazy family dysfunction, but I think that's an element because those are all the characters we've mm-hmm. been introduced to, yeah. right? So family is going to be a huge part of this, and definitely. Um, and you just the way you narrated and explained everything, you, it doesn't sound like you really like the dad as much per se. In this, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I. Th- this is just speculation, but I think that you might change your mind about that as we go down. Because you only got him, like, you get the brief description that he got the feminist, you know, tickets for them. Mm-hmm. And then you get, like, the two-minute interaction with him. I feel like you're going to, once you get more exposure to him, he's he's not as, like, callous as I think you possibly might have in his head. He's more of just a dope. He's he's a He's a lovable dope that just doesn't know what to do. He's just, like... I had two girls, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I think it's really easy for me to get sucked into the flea bag mm-hmm. mentality, which is part of the purpose of the show, right? right? Like you're supposed to be seeing this through her eyes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like, okay, my opinions of the of the dad twofold. Um, I don't want to go so far to say I have daddy issues, but mm-hmm. uh, dad storylines really get to me, mm-hmm. real, real good, and the, like particularly when it's dad daughter, and having that disjointedness is something I can relate to. Um, it's just that uh, for me, it's I say hard. I just get angry when I see dads portrayed as not supporting their daughters. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just love her. Mm-hmm. She's clearly going through something. Oh, yeah. Give her a hug. Yeah. But I also think that again, part of the, part of the thing is Fleabag. I think has done a really good job up to the point that we meet her of also pushing back on her family. Mm-hmm. That clearly her sister's trying to reach out to her at times, even yep. if things are weird. And it's not just the family's fault. It's also. Fleabag's probably to blame too, even yeah. though in the story sense we don't really know that. She's she's kind of in the sense since she gets the fourth wall ranking, she's I think playing on that trope a little bit of the unreliable narrator at times, but maybe she's being more of an overly reliable narrator. Like she's telling you all these little intricate deals or details, or she knows it's gonna happen because it's already happened in the past or something like that, and she just you know, she knows how this goes. She's she's played the game a while, so she knows how it happens. I'd even go so far to say that I think the writing is meant to manipulate the audience just as much as she manipulates all the other characters. Mm-hmm. Like, you are just another person for her to convince, I'm actually a good guy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not necessarily the he- me, but... Mm-hmm. I'm the hero of the story. This is yes. my story. But yep. I, as far as predictions go, I think we're going to see that unravel pretty quick, too, that this is a facade... There's one trivia fact about Fleabag on IMDb, and I thought it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, what the fuck? Maybe not. Details. Hmm. Um, 
there was only one that showed beforehand, and now it's a completely different one, so maybe it's just a random generated one. Mm. But it was talking about how the camera became the pressure, and she actually didn't know that the camera was going to become the pressure until she was about halfway through writing the first season. Oh. And that became a change as a way for Fleabag herself to feel pressure, and that even to the audience, she feels the the pressure to maintain a certain characteristic. Mm-hmm. But because we're the audience, because it's the camera, it still gets to see her when she's about to break down and cry. Yeah. Like, for her, the camera is just another character, yep. which I thought was really yeah. interesting. And I wanted to touch on this, too. I mean, it. I think the way they do the fourth wall and just even the camera portrayal is amazing. And you'll see even more of that in the second season, especially, because they do some really fun things with that whole thing where she talks to the audience. And it it's just an interesting thing. But I guess, uh, what... Did you have any uh, other gripes about this episode? Is there anything that stood out that made you not like it or was a little bit more cringy for you? Or was it kind of like A-plus material? So, okay, uh, it's this was made in 2016. I think we were probably in our hype of cringe culture. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think I've talked about this before. Being that I have studied in the mental health field before, my master's with me in psychology my undergrad was in psychology there is an interesting way we talk about mental illness sometimes mm-hmm. and so the, the when I made the joke of the throwaway line of my sister's probably anorexic but whatever she looks great again we we know fleabag is an unre- unreliable narrator but still mm-hmm. a message that gets across in a lot of media of yep. yeah that's bad but fuck she looks good and it's stuff like that that i usually pay attention to is people who just casually throw out ocd other so schizophrenic, mm-hmm. triggered, all those kind of languages. But it wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, no, hard X on the show. It's just like, yeah. nah, it's not my favorite line. It's funny, but yeah. we should know better. They, they definitely use that kind of as a throwaway line, I think, just to, one, show you how, you know, like, mean they are to each other. Or in the sense mm-hmm. that she probably doesn't actually think that. She's just saying that line to make a dig on the sister or something like that right like she's yeah giving all these things like she even like we i think we talked about it before but like you know she's like to be fair she is a nice uh she's not like an evil stepmother she's just a cunt <laughs> <laughs> just throws out the hard c because it's british humor you know and yeah. just like they you're like oh she's around, just like crazy she's just like and, and you're like and like you said you don't see that until like that last condescending little note so you're like okay well maybe there's some truth behind it or maybe she just doesn't like it because she's replacing her mom or something like that so i really want to see how much burnout everyone around her has again from a psychology point of view people aren't like that they don't treat you like that unless you've been acting like that for a long period of time that seems like as if she's at the point of having broken trust a few times and they're having a hard time accepting that and learning to grow and Mm -hmm. retrust that seems like to be the point of their relationship, as far as I can tell. And then Fleabag is of a perspective. I'm mindful enough to understand, like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a shitty person sometimes, but not quite there to own up to what she's done. Like, not enough to make a change. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's almost easier. It's always easier yep. to be the victim, mm-hmm. right? I know that feeling. So we, we mentioned, like, strong female characters. This is a really good character and really good writing, too, from a female perspective. I didn't get into it much at the time, but, like, her masturbating to Obama, like, there's just super casual style of it, is so real <laughs> of, hey, you know, sometimes you just don't masturbate to porn. <laughs> I think that's a very human thing, right? Like, it's just like, I'm turned on. Let's do this. Let's party. Uh, and, you know, you're doing shit. Yeah. You're eating food. Your person's right next to you. Like, you just are like, yeah, I could do this real quick. 
it's just a secondhand thought. Like it's just like, yeah, why not? I'm I'm not doing anything right now. <laughs> right, I can we'll do just a quickie, right? Treat yourself. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just a quickie. <laughs> and, yeah. and something. I mean, we don't see a female orgasm, which is a whole other TED talk about. If you ever show a female orgasm on, in a film, you immediately get a rated R. Uh, rating right yep so so female sexuality Mm -hmm. and and pleasure is super taboo and here again we have this writing of her just being Mm -hmm. like no i'm gonna do this gonna just casually and like not like a gentle shy that's the other thing too is some media portrayal you'll see women who are like shy about it like oh well i guess i could probably maybe touch myself she's like hand down pants let's do this (laughs) like (laughs) yeah first time i watched it like it was just like i wasn't necessarily expecting i just saw her watching it and then i'm like wait what's she doing and then she dropped the pizza and she her face got more intense i was like oh i know what she's doing (laughs) i knew the second the second the hand were like under the covers i was like nice good job good (laughs) yes and a lot of good female written moments and in the sense of it's a female writing female moments it's not guys writing it for the male gaze it is no because if it was a guy writing it, she would have been watching lesbian porn or something like yeah. that, just out of the blue, like, hmm, okay, why why that, of all things? <laughs> oh, yeah, I just, I'm really glad that she was able to make the show that that has mm-hmm. two seasons. It's an Emmy, Emmy one nominated. It's it's Emmy one and Emmy nominated. I mean, Emmy nominated, obviously, and it did win Emmys. She actually won this year for uh, Golden Globes uh, 2019. She actually... She got, I think, uh, Emmy Award for Best Actress in a in a show for this last second season and everything. I'd say for... probably most definitely earned it from mm-hmm. what I've experienced so far. I think, and I think she also got writer or like the show got some other nominations and stuff like that. I think the years prior it was Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, like we talked about, mm-hmm. and then this year um, with Fleabag season two, especially the like I said, the stuff they do there is phenomenal. They did amazing. Um, and and it has Andrew Scott, so it's even just even better because it has Moriarty in it, so it's great. I love it. I'll always refer to him as Moriarty. That's that's all he ever is to me. <laughs> that's that's all he is, right? Yeah, Not that's all he else. is. Nope. But uh, I guess based off of your uh, likeness of the show, I uh-huh. guess what would you give this a rating then? Oh goodness, what would I give this? Uh, out of five Obamas, what would five, you give? Out it? of five Obamas. All well, right. I'll, I'll let you pick the number, but it's out of so many Obamas. Okay. Out of 13 sexy Obamas. Let's amp it up some, right? Out of 13... Sexy Obamas. Talking about diplomacy. Talking about diplomacy. The war. The war. God, I really like this. I I think optimistic, 13 out of 13. I really, really enjoyed this. The amount of, oh my God, is this me? Is this me in the future? A lot of... Which sounds scary when I'm like, oh, hey, here's this person who's manipulating Mm -hmm. people and just being really Mm -hmm. shitty. I'm like, oh, but that's me. There's just things, guys. There's. Are you gonna Are you gonna pick it up immediately? I'm assuming it's a show you're gonna continue to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I can't you're today. Keep with it. But I'm I'm sure over the next. Okay, so real talk. Uh, right now, I am watching all the Silent Hills being played through by a Twitch streamer named uh, Gab Smolders. Yeah. I okay. just just finished Silent Hill Four: The Room which was terrible. Uh, I've never seen The Room because everyone skips it because it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's moved on to Origins. She has Origins left, Homecoming Downpour. So okay. by the end of the week, I'm going to have those done. I know that. I know me. Mm-hmm. So after that, I'll probably transition over to Fleabag. But nice. yeah, no, it's it's just a really good show. And I'm excited for the black humor of it. That I know at some point it's going to have drama moments. And 
you get dropped into it pretty quickly, if I remember correctly. Because now that we talked about that, I'll probably be watching Galvant and this back to back now. Just a one rewatch Fleabag and then two to catch up on Galvant. Both have two seasons. It'll be a nice little little on off. I can watch one season and then the other season, then season two of each shows. Well, we know the rule. We can mention that we've been watching it, but we're going to save the deep analysis of it for a finale. Yes. But, I mean, outside of it, if you want to talk to me on Discord, fuck yes, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, same with you. You're going to have to let me know. like, cause I. Oh, my God. <laughs> there are going to be things in there that you're going to respond back to me immediately. And I know it. Because, like you said, if, if I was there, you would grab my head. And this is going to be definitely, like, the rest of the show is going to be the same way. I'm really glad you recommend it. I think this is a great start to our season. Season two. Woo! And... Not that I had any concern bringing you on. Like, half the fun is making us watch shit sometimes, right? There's there's gonna be a bad episode mm-hmm. or two of of stuff, but oh yeah, don't you worry. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure in the list I'm gonna find something that I'm either uncomfortable with, or there's just I'm just gonna leave it hanging after seeing one. I'm like, yeah, it was good, but nothing that I'm interested in or something like that. You know, that's what happens. When I was doing the pairings, I was like, yeah. I see that, but I don't want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Alex, that completely defeats the point of this show. Yeah. Like, you can't just watch only shows you want to watch. So mm-hmm. there's a few in there I put in there. Like, I'm not looking forward to watching them because, like, I, of what context I have. But, I'm mm-hmm. like, that's going to make for a great episode. So it's going to be good. But, hey, okay, cool. Um, hmm. Do I have any lasting parting thoughts? Hmm. Well, thanks for having me on. I think we've kind of broke the ice pretty well. Thanks for being here, audience. Uh, I, I hope you. I hope you like me. Sorry, I'm <laughs> not who you originally thought I was going to be. But come validate us. Yes, validate me and stroke my <laughs> ego because that is always the way to my heart. Better food. Are, are you gonna gonna step mama? So I'm like, I made you some cookies. <laughs> you can stay out late if you want. I don't. I don't. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it'll be like. <laughs> that'll be what it will happen i'll just be literally like hey guys i know we talked about this but if you could not be mad at me <laughs> um that'd be great because i always have polar opinions and sometimes i definitely put my foot in my mouth when i say stuff so don't you worry that's what the magic of editing is for so maybe they won't see it well that is a great segue into our conclusion dear friend. I'm glad that you're here. I look forward to you being here for our episodes. I won't disclose how many we have planned, but for season two, thank you for being here. And hey, if you're mad at Ethan, I think you know the drill. You can at me all you want. I just have <laughs> stupid comments on on Twitter anyways. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me, Alex, at Roll for Alex. And you can find me, Ethan, at Etasha. That's E-T-A-Y-S-C-H-A. And if you want to have beef with the network, it's at NSR Podcasts. You can join our Discord. Link is in our show notes, as always. And hey, if you want the uncut version of this, the version with us cursing probably more than you hear, maybe, and going on Mm. even more rambly stories, please check out our Patreon. It is no show radio backslash for Patreon. (laughs) Good good schlep. First try. Mm-hmm. But, you know, any of those locations, you can find us and tell us how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. I'm always right, except always when I'm right. wrong. And a big thank you to the Spinwires for their use of the song Astronauts off the album Nights Out and for our theme song. All right, let's call it. Let's say goodbye, Ethan. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 Deuces. 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 <laughs>